Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you that we can open your word now. God, it's so powerful, so powerful, Lord, and we believe that. And uh, God, I praise you for communicating with us through your word. And I just pray that you do that this morning. Help us to see God. Set us on a path, set us on the mission that, that you want us to be on. God, fill our hearts with love for your word. God, make us, make us to be serious about your commands and, and encouraged by your promises, God. Please help us this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, most of you know <clears throat> that uh, right now we're kind of in the middle of a, a break. We're taking a break as we've been coming through Mark over the last several months. Um, so we're kind of taking a break now. We're talking about some things around uh, the church, the local church. And last week, you know, Dustin taught. He taught on uh, the growth of the church uh, inwardly, uh, about us having a per pervasive concern for one another and this concern to build up the church of Jesus Christ. And he taught that from Ephesians 4. Verse 1 through 16, I, I highly recommend going back, if you missed that, to go back online uh, and check that out. All these, all these uh, teachings go online. Uh, there's some brothers, sisters here that do that, and uh, I'm very thankful for them for doing that. So I would really encourage you, if you haven't, you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. But he was speaking about the growth of the church, specifically Grace Community Church, getting real practical with us, the growth of our church inwardly as we concern for one another, as we love one another, as we build one another up. What I want to do today... Let's talk about the growth of our church, of the church, and of Grace Community Church outwardly, as in reaching out to a hell-bent world, reaching out outwardly the growth of our church, okay? Now, there's a, uh, when we went to this radical intensive, I guess it was just a few months back, Dustin and I and uh, Hunter went, David Platt gave a real corny but effective visual of the church and I figure I'll share it with you, and then a bunch of you will say, well, you're going to have to give me something more than that, and so well, I'll give it to you quick. But he was talking about the church being a group of people, you know, holding hands uh, in this circle. Only the difference is that not, we're not facing into the circle, because the problem with that is you see everybody else's weaknesses and annoyances, and uh, even you get envious over their strengths. Instead, he gave this visual of turned around, and you're facing outward to the circle, and you're holding hands, and that's what I want to talk about today, this kind of... Yeah, a lot of you are like, yeah, you're going to have to give me some Bible. <laughs> right, I'm going to give you some Bible. Um, but this idea of the church, the local church growing with this view outwardly to God adding to our number those who are being saved, this sort of thing. Now, this is what God's told us to do, right? I mean, part of what makes us a church is we're on mission together. Philippians 1.27 speaks of us laboring side by side for the sake of the gospel. That's us, locked arms together, laboring side by side for the faith of the gospel. The scriptures, in the scriptures, uh, you see people, Christians actually call each other fellow soldiers. And I don't think they did that because they thought it was just cool. Okay, Maybe they really believed that the church was the army of God, attacking, going after this world, ripping lost souls out of Satan's grasp. Maybe they really viewed it that way. Jesus has called us to multiply. And you see that at the top of your study guide, it says, and they were multiplied. That's what I want to talk about is the church of Jesus, Grace Community Church specifically, 
multiplying, okay? We've been given a mission. We've been given a charge by the captain of our salvation. We've been charged with an ultimate task, and this ultimate task is unstoppable, and it's full of glory, and we get invited into going after this ultimate task. Now, why do I say that? Let me give you quickly some reasons why I say we've been given a mission. We've been given a task that's unstoppable. Why do I say that? One, Jesus' life. Think about his life on this earth, okay? He is the ultimate missionary. Jesus was sent to the earth by God the Father. God the Son sent by God the Father, the ultimate missionary to redeem a people to himself, and we want to be like him. He told the Pharisees that he came to call sinners to repentance, and we want to be like him. He told Zacchaeus, he came to seek and to save that which is lost, and we want to be like him. Jesus preached the gospel all over Israel. He just filled Israel with his doctrine, and then he called a few men in a little bit closer, and he discipled them and raised them up to where they could go and do the same. And we want to be like him at Grace Community Church. Now, we've got this example of Jesus' life. And this example should push on us to want to be all about this mission. And we also have Jesus' commands. He's given certain commands. Now, after Jesus died on the cross for our sins, after He rose from the dead, and before He ascended on high, He appeared to His disciples several times. Now, they were numbered, okay? But several times He appeared to His disciples. And I want you to notice this, this mantra, this thing He continued to say to His disciples during these post-resurrection appearances. Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. You see how he turns them around? It's like he turns them around and faces them outward. And he says, I, I discipled you. Now go make more of y'all. Another appearance. Luke 24, 47. This is not the same time. This is a, the, the appearances of Jesus after the resurrection were numbered. And this is another one. This is another one of those appearances. Not at the same location, not at the same time. Jesus says this in Luke 24. Repentance and, remission and forgiveness of sins should be preached in His name. That's in the name of Jesus. To all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Again, Jesus faces them outward. Look out. Again, John 20, 21. Again, this is a different location, a different time. This is not the same event. Another appearance of Jesus after His resurrection. He says this in John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Again, Jesus faces them out. He says, go be. I stand. I was sent as a light in the midst of darkness. Go be a light in the midst of darkness. He was sent as a life in the midst of death. He said, go be life in the midst of death. Sent out as his, his ministers of reconciliation. He says, go, you're my ministers of reconciliation. And through you, I'm pleading with a lost world. Be reconciled to God. And he sends them out. Now, this mission must stain our lives individually and as a church as we lock arms together. This mission must stain our lives. And we at Grace Community Church have been highly influenced by this mission, by these truths, by this mindset. But listen, we desperately need to be strengthened in this. We desperately need to be strengthened in this. Now, there's many routes that we could go in the Bible to kind of press into this, okay? A lot of places we could go in the Scriptures. We could talk about, uh, we could talk about the eternity of souls. I mean, surely if we get a grip on the fact that people are moving toward eternity, and in eternity they either have eternity in hell or eternal life with Christ, 
And surely that would press on us to be all about the mission of Jesus Christ, right? We're not going to go there. Or we could go into some things about about Christ and how He's worthy of glory and praise and worship in every nook and cranny on this earth. But we're not going to go there. Or we could dig deeper into these commands that I've already given you where Jesus has commissioned us. He's commanded us to go out and reach out in this world. We're not going to do that. What we're going to do today, I want to take a helicopter tour through the book of Acts. Okay? So we're just going to roll. Big picture, 30,000 foot in the sky, looking down, book of Acts. We're going to roll through it. And honestly, if I, if I just kind of tell you the truth, if you ever see me just extra geared up over the mission, it's like, man, Ron just seems to have an extra flair about him when it comes to the mission. That means I've probably been reading Acts. Because I get fired up over the book of Acts, okay? So this is one of my favorite places to look to talk about this sort of thing. Now what we're going to see, this means that we're going to go very fast through the book of Acts. This means I'm going to be doing a lot of summarizing. Now what we're going to do, now I'll tell you this, I had a plan to go through the book of Acts in a more, you know, no particular emphasis, just what's the main point of the book. And I actually, I actually thought, okay, that's going to take a little too long. My sheets were getting a little bit... You know, I was getting too long on what I was wanting to talk to you about. So we're going to actually go through the book of Acts with a little bit more of a focus on the church of Jerusalem. We're going to look at this church and their, how they're obsessed with the mission of Jesus Christ. And that's going to be more of the focus we kind of we nail down. So we're going to do a lot of summarizing, a lot of reading Scripture. So I need you to stick with me. Okay, I need you to zone in. I need you to keep up. We're not going to linger too long in any one place. This is going to be one of those Stephen-style sermons. Remember Stephen? You read Acts 7, he covered Genesis 12 to 2 Chronicles. It was awesome. Okay? And this is going to be one of those style sermons. In the book of Acts, we're going to see the command of Jesus, this great commission of Jesus, lived out. He ascends on high, and we're going to see it lived out. We're going to see this promise of Jesus that go make disciples, and I will be with you. And I'm going to pour out my spirit to empower you. And we're going to actually see that lived out in the book of Acts. And my hope is that we'll be challenged ourselves to live out the command. My hope is that we'll be encouraged ourselves to, to rest in this promise that Christ said He would be with us. Now, just before we dig in right into Acts chapter 1, let me tell you one, one major theme. Major theme running through the book of Acts. This is actually at the top of your study guide. You've got to get this. Major theme running through the book of Acts. Here it is. The mission of God cannot be thwarted. And He invites us, His church, to be a part of it. The mission of God cannot be stopped. And He invites us to be a part of it. Let me say it another way. The plan of God to spread His gospel is unstoppable. And He invites us to play. The purposes of God cannot be thwarted. Let me keep saying it. The purposes of God cannot be thwarted. And we get invited into this unstoppable mission. Now what do I mean? What do I mean when I say the plan, the purpose, the mission of God cannot be thwarted? What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Let me just just give you a splattering of Old Testament Scripture to help. Psalm 46.10, he says this, I will be exalted among the nations. That didn't sound like a question. He says, I will be exalted among the nations in Psalm 46.10. Habakkuk 2.14, he says, the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
Habakkuk 3.3 says the earth is going to be full of his praise. Malachi 1.11, my name will be exalted among the nations. Matthew 16.18, Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You hear it? This is unstoppable. Nothing can thwart this mission. Jesus said, go make disciples in Matthew 28, and he wrapped it in two things. He wrapped it in all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And by the way, I'll be with you always as you go after this mission. It's unstoppable. It cannot be thwarted. Now, what do I mean? So that's what I mean when I say it can't be thwarted. What do I mean when I say he invites us into this? What do I mean? I mean, according to the Scriptures, we actually get to play a role in this as ministers of reconciliation. We get to play a role in redeeming a people to God in ja- all over Jackson, Mississippi, all over the surrounding areas and to the ends of the earth. And we get to play a role in this. This is the mission that the captain of our salvation has put us on. And frankly, everything else is boring to me. You think about this. Jesus Christ is ripping souls out of the grips of Satan, out of eternal hell, all over the globe, just one after other. And then he's placed them in the kingdom of his beloved son, and he's blessing them with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And what's your Christmas plans? (laughs) Everything's boring compared to this mission, and you get invited right into it. You want to go thrill-seeking? You want to risk your life? Don't go parachuting. Get in on this mission, this unstoppable mission of God. You see this? Everything's boring. So as we walk through it, notice this theme. As we walk through Acts, the mission of God cannot be thwarted. And we get invited into it. Turn to Acts chapter 1 if you're not already there. Acts chapter 1. Alright, what we see in Acts chapter 1 is we see a foundation laid here, okay? This is a a foundation for the mission of God. It's like Acts chapter 1 sets the stage for the mission to unfold. Acts chapter 1 is like the springboard. It's like the platform, okay? So if you look at Acts 1 verse 1 through 11, you're going to see Jesus give His last words before He ascends on high as King of the universe. Okay, He's already died for our sins. In Acts chapter 1, he's already risen from the dead and and shown himself to hundreds of eyewitnesses. And now he, in Acts chapter 1, we're going to see him ascend back into heaven. And before he ascends back into heaven, he lays out some instruction. And the instruction he lays out, he says, hey, you know, I've been telling you to make disciples and preach the gospel. I've been turning you around and pushing you out to the ends of the earth. I'm about to empower you for this task. That's what he tells them in Acts chapter 1. You are about to be empowered for this task. Look at verse 8 with me. Verse 8 is like an outline of the whole book. Don't miss it. Verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's like an outline of the book of Acts. You're going to receive power from my spirit and then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's Acts 1 through 7. In Judea, Samaria, that's 8 and 9, chapters 8 and 9. And to the ends of the earth, that's chapters 10 and on. This is an outline of the whole book. If you'll notice, Jesus says this, right? His disciples are coming to him saying, when will the end come? 
They want to know about eschatology. When will the end come? And Jesus does, he, he says, this is not here for you to know. So what's more important? You might have all these ideas about, and, and it is important. Don't get me wrong. When Christ returns, the end time stuff, this stuff is important. And you may have all that wrapped up in your mind, or you might be ready to argue about that. But it's clear right here from these verses, right in the middle of that, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to empower you. That's not here for you to know times or seasons, but I'm going to empower you with the spirit of my Holy Spirit for this mission that I have you on. So you can tell me your eschatology, but what about your practical living out of this mission? This is the mission. So the stage is set in Acts chapter 1, empowered by the Holy Spirit for the mission. The stage is set. Jesus has ascended on high in Acts chapter 1. The disciples are there and they're waiting for what Jesus said. They're waiting for the promise of the Spirit to be empowered for the mission. They're waiting. And as you continue to read through Acts chapter 1, you're going to see... Judas be replaced by uh, they're going to go through a system of looking at God's word and things like that to replace Judas and this is Acts chapter 1 this lays the foundation this sets the platform everybody with me there Acts chapter 2 in Acts chapter 2 we learn that the boundaries of human weakness cannot thwart the mission of God the boundaries of human weakness cannot thwart the mission of God Jesus just told weak men who have no cars no cell phones no internet to take this gospel into all the world. And that's impossible, right? And this seem impossible to these men. And yet here in Acts chapter 2, Jesus tells them, He tells them what to do, and then He, and then he pours out His Holy Spirit on them. And, and the next thing you know, Peter stands up with the eleven. He preaches the gospel and 3,000 souls are added to the kingdom of God in Acts chapter 2. This is awesome. Okay? They're all together in one place. Suddenly, suddenly they hear a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Tongues of fire sit on each one of them and they begin to speak the praises of God. Peter stands up, 3,000 souls say, this is awesome. This is God giving them a taste of this human weakness. Just like us, Grace Community Church, we're a group full of weak people. We're a group full of weak people, and yet God can take weak people like us and use us to take His gospel to the ends of the earth, use us to reach out into Jackson, Mississippi, and win lost souls. Another thing from Acts chapter 2, the boundaries of human diversity cannot thwart the mission of God. The boundaries of human diversity cannot thwart the mission of God. When Peter stood up to preach this first sermon in Jerusalem, there's thousands, there's something going on here. There's thousands of Jews from nations all over the world are gathered together for Pentecost here. They're gathered together from all different nations and they speak different languages and the Holy Spirit does something to obliterate the false assumption that the gospel can't jump over language barriers. Holy Spirit, what are you going to do about the language barrier? And the Holy Spirit, who knows every language perfectly, gives these men the ability to speak in their languages the wonderful works of God, and they do it. Human diversity cannot thwart the mission of God. So what we have here, 3,000 people. Peter stands up, preaches, 3,000 people saved. And turn with me to Acts 2, verse 42. This is what we have. This is the beginnings of the church at Jerusalem. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship 
in the breaking of bread and in prayers. You see them there? That's what we want to go after, right? Devoted to the apostles' doctrine, the Word of God, devoted. We want to be a people, Grace Community Church, devoted to the Word of God, devoted to fellowship, devoted to the breaking of bread, devoted to prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed, think of this church in Jerusalem, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. You see the liberality, the the generous spirit that these people had toward one another? Verse 46, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, And breaking bread from house to house, house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God. These people praising God, worshiping God, and having favor with all the people. And listen to this. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord, let that sink in. The Lord added to this church daily those who were being saved. So maybe we say that's what we're doing. We're going after. We're devoting ourselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the prayers, uh, to to the breaking of bread. We're devoting ourselves to these things, okay? And do you ever think of the backside of this? And you read you read this last part of this verse, and you think this just said that the Lord was adding to the church daily those who are being saved. Do you long for this? Do you long to see this? That means people were going out everywhere. Because how does the Lord bring people into the kingdom? The gospel gets preached. This means people in this church were going out, sharing the gospel, and God was changing hearts and ripping souls out of hell over and over again. Do you long for this? Do you pray for this in our church, Grace Community Church, that the Lord would add to His church daily those who are being saved? And this is a people. This is the church at Jerusalem obsessed with the mission of God. Acts chapter 3. As we get to Acts chapter 3, you can flip there or look over. We're going to see that the strongholds of false religion cannot thwart the mission of God. Can't happen. What we've seen, okay, we've seen the bigger picture. We just read it. The bigger picture of the church at Jerusalem and what's going on. The Lord's adding to the church daily those who are being saved. And then what's going to happen here in chapter 3 is we're going to zone in to a specific example of Peter and John doing something in the church at Jerusalem. Okay, And Peter and John, they walk into this Jewish temple. This place full of religious activity where Christ Jesus has been missed. And they walk right into this temple. And they're right in the midst of these devout Jews. They see a man. This is a lame man and he's begging and he's asking for alms for the people that are coming to the temple. And they see this man and Peter leans down and he looks at this man and he says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. And the man stands up and he starts leaping and and jumping and praising God. Wouldn't you? 40 years he's been like this and now he's leaping and jumping and praising God. The Lord has healed him. Now this opens a door. Peter notices that people start to gather together. People start gathering together and this opens another door for Peter to proclaim the gospel to the multitudes. And if you want to know the result of that second sermon, look at chapter 4, verse 4. Verse 4 says, 4 verse 4 says, However, many of those 
who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So again, you see that the, the mission moving forward, thousands are added again. It happens again. Thousands added into the kingdom. Ripped out of the kingdom of darkness, brought into the kingdom of life. Brought in to the Jerusalem church. The Jerusalem church is growing. Souls, the Lord's adding to His church those who are being saved. Think about it. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Is He fulfilling His promise? Absolutely. Jesus said, make disciples and I will be with you always. Is He fulfilling His promise? And do we believe, Grace Community Church, that God will do this with us? That as we follow Him, He'll make us fishers of men. And as we make disciples, He'll be with us. And God will add to our numbers those who are being saved. Do we believe that? We should believe that. Acts 4, we're moving fast. Acts chapter 4. If you get in Acts 4, you realize that the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders that were there in Jerusalem, they heard this second sermon. And when they heard it, it made them angry. Very angry. And they took these, they took these apostles and they put them in prison and they severely threatened them. So the, relig- the Jewish religious leaders, they took these men, Peter and John, they took them from where they were preaching. They probably got dragged off right at the end. They put them in prison and they severely threatened them not to preach. And what we're going to learn here in Acts 4 is that incarceration and severe threats cannot thwart the mission of God. Incarceration and severe threats cannot thwart the mission of God. Look at chapter 4 verse 17 with me. This is the religious leaders that arrested them speaking among themselves. And listen to what they say in 4.17. So that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. So that it spreads no further, let us severely threaten them. This should remind us that there is an enemy. That we face an enemy. There's an enemy of God that wants to keep this thing from spreading. That wants to stop and halt this mission. This is a raging battle. It's our enemy and the enemy of God. But here's the problem. He can't thwart the mission of God. I will be exalted among the nations is what the Lord has said. So what, they, what we have, we have a couple options here, okay? Knowing that God says it cannot be thwarted and knowing that we have an enemy that wants to oppose the mission, we can either be silent, we can be quiet, or we can preach this glorious gospel. And we can face the schemes, the persecutions of the wicked one who hates you and hates your mission. What option did the apostles choose? Look with me at Acts 4, verse 20. They said, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Don't you love that? These guys said, We got to severely threaten them so that this message will spread no further. And they said, We can't help but speak the things that we've seen and heard. The mission must go on. And then, and then they go back to their companions in Acts here, here in Acts chapter 4. So they severely threaten them. They let the apostles go. The apostles go back to their companions and they begin to pray. And what do you think they're going to pray for? Are they going to pray for safety or a different plan? Or what what would we, if Grace Community Church, if we were being persecuted in this sort of way and we've got this mission in front of us, how would we come together and pray? What would we ask for 
And you see it in Acts 4, verse 29. Here's what they pray. With one heart together, they say this. They say, now Lord, now Lord, look on their threats and grant to Your servants that with all boldness they may speak Your Word. What? They're being threatened even with death, and they're praying to God, God, give us the boldness to keep pressing into this mission to preach Your Word. And God fulfills this in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Nothing can thwart the mission of God. It is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. At the end of chapter 4, in verse 32, 32 to 35, look at it with me. We're going to get another, we're going to zoom out and get another big picture of the church of Jerusalem again at this point in history. Look at verse 32 with me. Now the multitude, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. How awesome. One heart, one soul. Pressing into the mission. Verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each one as anyone had need. So see, you get this picture of this church. Generous. One heart. One soul. The gospel is being proclaimed. So pretty much what you have here, I want you to think about it. As, you come, as we've come so far through the book of Acts, we've been given two big pictures of the church of Jerusalem. The end of Acts 2, the end right here, the end of Acts 4, these two big pictures. And in between, we get these specific events of what's going on. And what we see is a people obsessed with the mission of God. And the Lord faithfully added to the church daily those who are being saved. Acts chapter 5. So everything's going great so far, right? You're in the church of Jerusalem. Everything's going great. The gospel's being spread. People are being saved. The church is being built up. And then suddenly sin. Sin creeps its way into the church at Jerusalem. And what we're going to see here is that the sin, sin in the church cannot thwart the mission of God. Sin in the church cannot thwart the mission of God. What we see, the way we see sin creeping in is at the beginning, the first half of Acts chapter 5, we get the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And pretty much they wanted to look spiritual. Barnabas laid his stuff before the apostles' feet and he got praise. And we want to look spiritual like him. So they, they go with this motive to look spiritual and they hold back and they lie to the Holy Spirit. They lie to God and God deals with the sin and strikes them dead. Sin cannot thwart the mission of God. Let me, get, let me tell you this. If you read that section of Ananias and Sapphira, and then you see what comes right off the back end of it, okay? Look, at with, me. Look with me at chapter 5, verse 11 and verse 14. This is just right off, right, off, right off the end of this story of sin coming to the church, and God deals with the sin. And look at verse 11. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Right, rightly so, right? God's like killing people for lying. Verse 14, and believers were increasingly, look at what he says, believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes, multitudes of both, of both men and women. God uses this 
horrific event and this sin coming in and God continues to multiply. The, the mission of God cannot be thwarted. Don't you see that? Now, sin has bitten Grace Community Church numerous times. You know it. I know it. Sin has come into our midst. And I assume that we're going to continue to battle sin and sin will come in among us. Okay? Now, God has been faithful to deal with our sin. He rebuking us and restored us. God has done these sort of things among us and we praise God for that. But listen to me. Listen to me. Sin's desire is to overtake us and reign over us. And must we fight Tooth and nail? Absolutely. The Scripture says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. But listen to me. You don't have to be afraid. You know why? Sin in the church cannot thwart the mission of God. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear. Jesus will fulfill His mission. And I say we just nudge right up next to Him. And we be a part of the mission of God. Also, the latter half of Acts chapter 5, you learn something else in Acts chapter 5. Government restrictions and public beatings cannot thwart the mission of God. Government restrictions and public beatings cannot thwart the mission of God. In the latter half of Acts chapter 5, we see the gospel continuing to spread. Gospel being preached, disciples being made, people being saved. And this makes those leaders, those Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, makes them very, very angry again, yet again. And they throw the apostles in the prison again. Only this time, an angel comes in and delivers them miraculously. And the, and the angel gives them instruction. What do you think he's going to tell them to do? Go hide out? Don't, don't say go hide out for a little while? No, he tells them to go right back into the same temple where they've already been arrested twice. And he says, go and speak all the words of this life. Just go speak it again. Go speak all the words of this life. And so... The, the, the Jewish leaders hear that they got miraculously out of jail. They hear that they're preaching again in the temple and they send officers to go get them. This time, I imagine more timidly. They're probably a little freaked out, right? These guys keep getting in jail and popping out somehow. Okay? And so they get them and they bring them back. And look at chapter 5, verse 28. This is what they bring. This is the charge they bring before these apostles. They say, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine." Right in the middle of verse 28. You have filled, listen to it, listen to their charge against the apostles. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Don't you love that? May it be said by the enemies of God about Grace Community Church, you have filled Jackson, Mississippi with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just fill the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May that be said about us. The enemy's goal was in 417, Acts 417, so that it spreads no further. But Grace Community Church's goal filled the city with the doctrine of Christ. And Acts 528. Now as you continue through Acts chapter 5, they, they continue on. They're going to severely threaten the disciples they have them there in prison. In Acts 5, they severely threaten them and they're getting ready to kill them. And as they get ready to kill them, they get these, we get these wise words from a man named Gamaliel. And he's not even a Christian. But listen to what Gamaliel says in Acts 5, verse 38 and 39. He says, keep away from these men. Let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. This is probably what he desired, right? This is not of God. It'll come to nothing. But listen, he says something profound. Listen, this is profound. 
But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. What a word. You cannot overthrow the mission of God. So here's the question. Grace Community Church, are we walking in the mission of God? Because if so, you cannot overthrow this thing. If we line, if His mission is unstoppable and we just, just read the Bible and line ourselves up with this mission and say, we just want to do what you want to do, it's unstoppable. You cannot overthrow it. And after Gamaliel gives his advice here in Acts 5, the Jewish leadership, they kind of pseudo-agree with him. And then they commence to beat the apostles. They beat them to their bloody. And then they lay restrictions on them to stop preaching. So can government restrictions and public beatings thwart the mission of God? Absolutely not. Look at the last two verses. Look how they respond. Verse 41, 541. So they departed from the presence of the council that had just beaten them. They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And and listen to what they do. Do they get quiet? And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. God's mission is unstoppable, so we come up right up beside it, right up beside it, full of hope that God's going to add to the church, and we do not cease. We do not cease. We keep preaching and teaching the things of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 6. So here we've got this church. Just like in chapter 5, seems like things are going well in the church of Jerusalem. You see it? Things are going good in the church of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 5. And then Acts Acts chapter 6, we're going to see that every church Every single church has its weaknesses, has its faults, has its problems in Acts chapter 6. And we're going to see that division in the church cannot thwart the mission of God. Division in the church cannot thwart the mission of God. Okay, we get to Acts chapter 6. They're doing well. There's even this daily distribution going out from the church that's going to widows, poor and needy widows. And this daily distribution is going out throughout Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, there's this problem there's this schism. And the, and the Hellenist Christians begin to complain that the, to the Hebrew Christians that their widows are actually being left out. They're being left out. And so you're starting to see some prejudice, some favoritism here. Will the mission of God fall to pieces under this prejudice? Will it fall to pieces? And the answer is, the answer is absolutely not. This, this church problem is explained in Acts 6, verse 1-7. through 7. Let me show you something. Acts 6, verse 1 through 7. I want you to notice verse 1 and verse 7, and you tell me what we're supposed to see here. Verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, you see it? We we want to multiply. Grace Community Church, we want to multiply. And, And this is happening in the church of Jerusalem. They're multiplying, and as they were multiplying, there arose a complaint. And in the following verses, all the way through to verse 6, you get the complaint come up, the division exposed, and you see the apostles deal with it. And they deal with it. They deal with the issue. And look at verse 7. Then the Word of God spread. 
And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. It's like he's saying, they're multiplying, they're multiplying, problem comes up, deal with it, keep multiplying. The mission must go on. Division in the church cannot thwart the multiplying mission of God. Acts 7 and 8. You get to Acts 7 and 8. I'll put these two chapters together. And what we see in these chapters is severe persecution. Even murder cannot thwart the mission of God. At the end of Acts chapter 6, we're introduced to a man named Stephen. Okay, And this man named Stephen, we see him standing up to some enemies of God. We see Stephen, he's standing up. These guys are coming against Christ and and Stephen is standing up to it. In Acts chapter 7, we get Stephen's sermon that he preaches to these people, okay? Now what happens is these people could not resist the wisdom and the spirit by which, which Stephen spoke. And so they begin to physically attack Stephen, stoning him until he dies. This would have been a horrible death. Horrible death. And I want you to think about it. If ever Stephen would have been justified in praying a selfish prayer. This would have been the moment, right? Surely at this point, he could have prayed, God, just make them stop hitting me with these rocks. I'm dying here. But what does he pray? And Look at the end of chapter 7. And I want you to notice how he is, he is, the mission on his heart is unquenched to the very end. He's all about the mission of God. Chapter 7, verse 59, And they stoned Stephen, as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. So here he is. Surely he could have, he's justified in a selfish prayer here, right? To not have his mind on the mission and right in the middle of being stoned, just like his Lord, he prays for their eternity. He prays, don't charge them with this sin. Right? And he's concerned about the souls of his persecutors, even to death. Even to death. Now, after this horrific death, you would think that the church at Jerusalem would quiet down a bit, right? They'd hush up. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. Verse 1 through 4. Now, Saul was consenting to his death. Saul was there, consenting. He was agreeing with the execution of Stephen. He's there. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So here's the church of Jerusalem. And almost everybody except these apostles, these leadership, so many of them scattered out because this great persecution comes down on the church of Jerusalem. Verse 3, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the Word. Is this not awesome? I want you to notice that the apostles were left in Jerusalem. This leadership here was left in Jerusalem, right? So this is just the the common Christians being scattered out and the mission keeps going forward. They're scattered everywhere. And what are they doing? Remaining quiet because of the great persecution? No, they preach the Word everywhere they go. The Gospel does not advance on the backs of talented men. The Gospel does not advance on the back of prominent leaders. 
The gospel advances by the power of the Holy Spirit working through every Christian, every man and woman here for His glory, for the advancement of His kingdom to the ends of the earth. And we need to believe that. So this is what we see here in Acts chapter 8. We've got this big picture of the church of Jerusalem. Again, we get this big picture. They're scattered everywhere. They're preaching the Word in all these different places. And then the rest of chapter 8, beginning in verse 5, gives you a specific example of that happening. It's happening everywhere, according to verse 4. And then verse 5 gives a specific example of a man named Philip. And as the story goes, this man named Philip, he goes on, as you go through chapter 8, he has a massive impact on Samaria. And this man named Philip, he has a massive impact on an Ethiopian man who was headed back to his home country. How did he do it? How did Philip have this impact? Chapter 8, verse 5 says, He preached Christ to them. Chapter 8, verse 12 says, He preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Chapter 8, verse 35, Philip opened his mouth. He opened his mouth. The mouth's got to be open. He opened his mouth. And beginning at this Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Philip was a product of the church of Jerusalem. And the church of Jerusalem was obsessed with the mission. And therefore, Philip was obsessed with the mission of Jesus Christ. Making disciples, spreading this gospel to the ends of the earth. And my prayer is that we, Grace Community Church, obsessed with the mission, flinging out Phillips all over the place who are obsessed with the mission, preach the gospel, make disciples even to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 9. As we continue in Acts, this is what we're going to see. We continue on through Acts. In chapter 9, the persecution keeps coming. The persecution keeps happening. In Acts chapter 9, it says Saul is still breathing threats of murder. So the persecution keeps going. And then what we're going to learn is that Satan's greatest ministers cannot thwart the mission of God. Satan's greatest ministers cannot thwart the mission of God. What we get in Acts chapter 9 is the wonderful salvation story of Saul, who would soon be known as Paul. We see how he's saved, okay? Saul is the one pictured in chapter 8 as approving the execution of Stephen. He's the one, just said it in chapter 9 verse 1, he's breathing threats of murder. This is Saul of Tarsus, and this man is taken captive by Satan to do his will. One of the greatest ministers of Satan. And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes one of the greatest ministers of Satan who's trying to stop the mission of God and He turns him and He makes him one of the greatest gospel preachers to ever walk the earth. Satan's greatest agents cannot thwart the mission of God. It's awesome. If you read chapter 9, it's awesome how it happens. The ascended Jesus just shows up. You just read Acts and you know He ascended on high in chapter 1 and all of a sudden you get to chapter 9 and He just shows up. And He shows up in glory, this bright, blinding light that makes the men fall to the ground. And He speaks directly to Saul and He wins this man's heart. This tells me that when Jesus is ascended as the King of the universe, nobody is safe. Nobody is safe from the salvation of God. He could come in and take the most murderous agent of Satan and turn him and make him a gospel preacher for His glory. The mission of God is unstoppable. The story of... You get this story of Saul's conversion, okay? And of him going back to Jerusalem in chapter 9 and preaching the gospel there, even among the church of Jerusalem. And then you get this summary statement again. Now it keeps, it keeps backing out into these summary statements. Look at chapter 9, verse 31. Listen to this summary statement. 
then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Notice it. We're not just talking about the church of Jerusalem anymore. They're bearing fruit. Now there's churches all the region of Judea and Samaria and Galilee. It's all over the place. And these churches, they had peace. And they were edified. It means they were being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. How much do you burn for this? Do you burn for this? This church, you see this picture of this church, it says they're multiplied. They're walking in the fear of the Lord, comfort of the Holy Spirit. And these people are being multiplied. Do you burn for this? You long for this. So there's churches popping up everywhere. It's unstoppable. Acts chapter 10 and 11. I'm going to put those together. Acts 10 11. Now this is the first taste we get of the gospel going out to the Gentiles. Okay? Now this is big. So far, we've just heard about it going to the, the Samaritans a little bit and to the Jews, but not to the Gentiles. And right here in Acts chapter 10 and 11, we're going to see the gospel going out to the Gentile world. And what we learn is that the boundaries of culture cannot thwart the mission of God. The boundaries of culture cannot thwart the mission of God. And here's what happened. God miraculously brings Peter into contact with this Italian centurion of of this regiment, okay? And he brings him into contact. He gives this Italian uh, regiment leader of this cohort, gives him a vision, gives Paul, uh, excuse me, Peter a vision and brings these two together. Peter preaches the gospel and this Gentile and all his family are saved. This is an awesome moment. The boundaries of culture cannot stop the mission of God. Then, that's Acts chapter 10. Then we get into Acts chapter 11 and Peter goes back to Jerusalem. And when he gets back to Jerusalem, there's some people that contend with him because he went into Gentiles. Peter straightens them up. They come to their senses. And then in perfect flow of thought, right in the middle of Acts chapter 11, we get the story about the founding of this first Gentile church, the church at Antioch. Look at, look at chapter 11, verse 19 with me. Chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution, they're coming out of the church of Jerusalem, scattered after the persecution. They were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but Jews only. But some of them, some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. This is awesome. We've heard about the church of Jerusalem obsessed with the mission. We've seen that great persecution came down. And these people were spread out everywhere preaching the word. And then it gives us two specific examples. Philip and Samaria, because the gospel went there, just like it said in Acts 1.8. And then we get this example here of a church being planted. This example of these people going out of the persecution and a church, a Gentile church being planted called the church at Antioch. I love this. The hand of God was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. This mission is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. What an example, okay? If you think about these churches, what an example of a, of a church, okay? We need to heed this. Being obsessed with outward growth, meaning souls saved, disciples made, churches planted. Is this your church? Is this, excuse me, is this your prayer for this church? Is this your prayer? 
that God would grow us, that God would add to the church daily those who are being saved, that God would use us to make disciples. Do you burn for this? That God would use us to plant churches even in unreached places. If you notice this, God used a leader of the church at Jerusalem. If that's our example, God used a leader of the church at Jerusalem to take the gospel to this Gentile named Cornelius in Acts 10. And then God used these men in Acts 11. It doesn't even give you their name. And He used unnamed men to go plant a church in an unreached place. You burn for this. I pray that we as a church, we produce nameless Men and women who go plant, plant churches in unreached places. Look at Acts 12. Okay, so we, we're gonna, okay, we got this Gentile church in Acts 11. Now we're going to continue talking about this church in Antioch, this Gentile church in Acts 13. But first, in Acts chapter 12, we get a little peek back into Jerusalem. Just a little peek back into Jerusalem. What we see in Jerusalem is Herod is attempting to squash the spread of the gospel. Herod's trying to squash it. How does he do it? First, he kills off James. He kills him. This is a leader in the church of Jerusalem. Then he arrests Peter with a mindset to kill Peter too. Do you know how sad this would have been? Think of how sad this would have been. James, this leader, this beloved leader, is now dead. And Peter is arrested. How sad this would have been. Peter's arrested. He's going to kill him too. But listen, the killing of great Christian leaders cannot thwart the mission of God. The killing, murder of great Christian leaders cannot thwart the mission of God. As you read through this chapter, here's what you see. is is Herod puts four squads of soldiers around Peter. It's probably right because they keep popping out of jail everywhere. Okay? So he puts four squads of soldiers around this man. And And then an angel comes in the night and frees him again. Freeze them out of jail again. The mission cannot be stopped. And then, okay, so you get that story of Peter being freed from prison. James is dead. Herod killed him. Uh, Peter is freed from prison. He, he, he's out of there now. And then you get this story in verse 20, chapter 12, verse 20 to 23, that seems so random. It seems so random. Look at it with me. Verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Isn't that odd? And you get this random story. You got this thing. Now, it makes sense why he would peek back into Jerusalem. And we get this peek back into Jerusalem in Acts 12. It makes sense how he would tell us how James died and how Peter was freed from prison. That makes sense. But then it says, and uh, by the way, Herod was really angry with these people from Tyre and Sidon. And then it tells us about Herod going and, and, and having a speech. And he, he gives a speech to these people. And these people are trying to suck up to him. They say, oh, that's the voice of a God. Oh, and Herod likes that. He likes being called that. And so then God kills him. And it says he's, very graphically, he's eaten by worms. All right, in the story, moving on. Doesn't it seem random? Doesn't it seem random? And here's what I want to tell to you. I want to tell you that this seemingly random story is, is meant to drive home the point again. The mission of God cannot be thwarted. The mission of God cannot be thwarted. Why do I say that? Because God gives us this contrast. Here's Herod. Here's Herod trying to kill off. He's trying to stop the spread of the Word of God. Kill off James. Arrest Peter. Stop the spread of the Word of God. So we get this contrast. What happens to people that do that? They're eventually going to die. By the way, he's eaten by worms. In verse 24, look what it says directly after. But the Word of God grew and multiplied. 
He's trying to stop it. He's going to die mean by worms. But the Word of God which He tried to stop will go on forever. It will go on and on and on. You cannot thwart the mission of God. It's unstoppable. Now, Acts chapter 13 through 20. Big leap. Because we don't have as much time. Acts chapter 13 through 20. Here's what you're going to see happen. That It takes you back to that first Gentile church, the church at Antioch. And what you're going to see is three missionary journeys spring out of the church at Antioch. Okay, Church at Antioch is a fruit of the church of Jerusalem. And now you're going to see three missionary journeys go out in chapters 13 through 20 from the church at Antioch. And you learn a lot of stuff here. You learn that distance cannot thwart the mission of God. You learn that false doctrine cannot thwart the mission of God. Demonic spirits cannot thwart the mission of God. False gods, attacks on the church, nothing can thwart the mission of God. And you see it as the gospel moves forward through these three missionary journeys. Now, for the sake of time, let me just give you a few significant verses throughout these sections, okay? The first missionary journey is recorded in chapter 13 and chapter 14. What was their plan? What was their plan? As the church at Antioch gathered up around Paul and Barnabas, laid hands on them, and sent them out on this first missionary journey, and they went to town after town after town, and they came back, what was the plan? I want you to see how simple it was. 13 verse 49, listen to it. 13 49. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the region. Just spread the word of God. The word of God just being spread throughout the region. Look at chapter 14, verse 21. This is just before they came back home and finished the first missionary journey. Verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, the word of God being spread, preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, preaching the gospel, winning lost souls, building those those newly saved men up, strengthening the churches. They strengthened them. Verse 23, So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Church planted there. Appoint elders. Move on. Here's this church in these different cities. What a simple plan. Let's imitate them. And by the end of Acts 13 and 14, you've got the Galatian churches are planted. Now, as you continue to read through these, through these next, the, the continuing missionary journeys, the second one and the third one, the missionary journeys, you're going to see some awesome things. We're going to see churches planted in Philippi, in Thessalonica, in Athens. That's in Acts 16 and 17. Nothing can thwart the mission of God. Acts 18 and 19, you see churches in Corinth, in Ephesus. Nothing can stop the mission of God. Go to chapter 19, verse 20 with me. They've had people say a lot of things about them. In Acts 17, they said, these are the men turning the world upside down. And then they said, they keep talking about another king, not Caesar. They keep talking about another king named Jesus. So you got these people pressing forward and look at 19, verse 20. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Cannot thwart the mission of God. It is unstoppable. Unstoppable. I say that at Grace Community Church, that we lock arms together and we believe God according to His promise. He will be with us always, even to the ends of the age. And we believe according to these examples. And we trust God to add to our numbers and give us growth outwardly by souls being saved, disciples being made, and churches being planted here in every nation, tribe, and tongue on this earth. I say we believe Him for that. I say we trust Him. Acts 21, 
through 28. Acts 21 through 28. Big section again. This will finish it off. So hear me out here. In this section of Scripture, the third missionary journey is over. And we get the story of Paul coming back into Jerusalem and being being persecuted by the Jews there, arrested by the Romans, put in jail for a significant amount of time. And what we learn here is that the, the detainment, the detainment of the greatest missionary to ever walk the face of the earth besides Jesus, cannot thwart the mission of God. Satan thinks, if I can detain the, the greatest missionary who walked the earth, I'll stop it. But he's wrong. He is wrong. In fact, in fact, let me tell you this quickly. In fact, you get all these events of chapter 21 to 28. He's in jail. He's being persecuted. He's preaching to governors and authorities. Eventually, he gets a government-paid trip to Rome where God wanted him to go anyways. He gets, he gets to Rome because he appealed to Caesar. And, and, and listen, when he gets there, he writes a letter. He writes a letter back to the Philippians. You know what he told them? He said, I want you to know, brothers. Philippians 1.12. I want you to know, brothers. I want you to know something. That all these things that have happened to me, chapter 21 through 28, all these things that have happened to me have actually happened for the furtherance of the gospel. It's still on his mind. Satan thinks, I've detained the greatest missionary. Paul says, hey, by the way, that actually happened for the furtherance of the gospel. The mission of God cannot be thwarted. Not be thwarted. We're about to give a quick application here, okay? Some application thoughts. But let me just say this one more time. If this is true, what I'm telling you, we've got these promises, I'll be with you always, even in the ends of the age. We've got this example. Nothing can stop it. It's unstoppable. What happens if we just line ourselves up with that? What if we do that? What if we laser beam focus, don't get off of it, continue in the mission of God, stir each other up to love and good works, this being a major one. What if we do that? It's unstoppable. And we get invited into it. Practical application. Okay, there's a tendency, here's some application here, okay? Quickly, we got to go fast. There's a tendency for churches to get busy doing a million things and miss this mission. Hear me again. There's a tendency for a church to get busy doing a million things and actually miss this, this mission, okay? There, there's a tendency for a church to have a whole scroll of ministries and yet miss the spreading of the gospel and making disciples, okay? But this is the mission of the book of Acts. This is the mission. This is what they're pressing into. And I desire that every brother and sister of Grace Community Church, I desire that every brother and sister of Grace Community Church is obsessed with this mission and equipped in that direction, equipped to fulfill it. That's my desire. Now let me give some details, some like real life details about how some of this is playing out. Mainly for you to pray. That's a good place to land. That we would pray. Imagine the power. hundred people. About 100 members of Grace Community Church pleading with God to bless, to, just like He did the church at Antioch. He said He put His hands on these things and many turned to the Lord. Many believed. Many were saved. Whoa, the power of 100 people coming together and pleading with God for that. So I'm mainly telling you these things so that you know how to pray. So how does this flesh itself out in our lives? Listen, reaching out. We, need to, we, we reach out to our families, to our friends, 
our co-workers, our fellow students with the aim to bring them to Christ and raise them up in maturity so that they do the same? Now this may sound simple, but please don't overlook this. We're, sometimes these things get so programmed out that the natural flow of your life, your friends, your family, your co-workers, your fellow students, the natural flow of your life gets, gets neglected. We're so compartmentalized, right? Like, now it's time to do mission, now it's not. You understand that? Well, we don't need to be that way. This is in a natural flow of life that we reach out with the light of Christ, pushing back on darkness. Think of the power of 100 members of Grace Community Church praying to that end that God would do that. And then stepping up and walking in to action on those prayers. Okay, reaching out, not just that. What about this? What about reaching out to our community, our cities, and the neighborhoods around us? What about that? What about us reaching out in that sort of way? This takes intentionality. This takes us being, we must be very intentional in this place. Okay, I want to give you an example. Acts 17, 17 of intentional reaching out to your community. Listen to Acts 17, 17. Paul's here in the city, in Athens. And it says, He reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happen to be there. You see him being intentional? He's putting himself around lost people. I'm going to go put myself into the synagogue and actually become a part of, of, of reasoning over these things. And I'm actually going to put myself in the marketplace and whoever it says, whoever happens to be there, he's just sharing the light of Christ with these people. Must be intentional, okay? This smaller groups that you're... And I'm, most of you are part of a smaller group somewhere, okay? You have this gathering on Sundays, and then somewhere, whether it be in Clinton or Pearl or Crystal Springs or wherever, there's these smaller groups that you're a part of. This is a great place to live this out. This is a great place for this to be stirred up in these smaller groups. Example, the group, the group out in Clinton, the, the, the smaller group out in Clinton, getting together and going out and sharing the gospel to the neighborhood around them before they meet on Tuesday morning. Or the group in Clinton there geared up over praying and reaching out to international students. This is a good example. This is a good place where this goes down at Grace Community Church. Now, I know you might be thinking this. You might be thinking, well, this plan sounds ingenious so far. <laughs> Co-workers and you know, how'd you think of this, Ron? Listen, we can't overlook these things, okay? Don't overlook the natural flow of life, your neighborhoods, your communities, these things. Don't overlook it, Okay? Now let me give you another word to help. As we think about fleshing out this mission, hospitality, hospitality. Now, Martha Stewart has hijacked that word, made it all soft and cute, okay? But don't let that happen. When I think hospitality, I'm thinking hospitality, this war-type mindset of hospitality. The way the book of Acts ends is Paul, is he's, he's detained into his own house, and he says he's just preaching. Just look at the last two verses. The last two verses of the book of Acts. He's detained in his own house and he's just preaching the kingdom of God to anybody that comes along, inviting them all. Nobody was stopping him. That's the end of the book of Acts. Hospitality. War-type mentality. Having people into your home. You've got to have contacts. We're going to reach out to the lost. Where are your contacts with lost people? Where are you having contact in different areas of your life with people that don't know Christ? You need to think about that. Another example, the Alta Woods community, the community right here around this, uh, this building that we meet in, 
Alta Woods community, listen to me. There's things going on here. Uh, the Reagans, the Starkeys, they're, they're laboring to spread the gospel, make disciples in this place. You want to know how to do that? Talk to them about it. There, there's some folks that go out every Saturday to go to the park that's here in the Alta Woods area to get to share and talk with people there. Talk to me if you want to know more about these sort of things, okay? Now just think about how great it would be to see people in this community, Alta Woods community, born again and walking on Sundays to meet with their new brothers and sisters in Christ. Walking to meet with us. Think of the power of a hundred children of God pleading with God to do a work in the Alta Woods community. All right, what about our focus on the nations? Talking about the mission being fleshed out. What about our focus on the nations as we lift up our eyes? North Korea. We've got, we've got a man named West there in North Korea. This hard place. Listen to me. We never need to get... We, don't get numb to the amazing sovereignty of God that there's a place where most people, you go talk to them, they think there's no way to get into that place. And yet, God has given us contact with a man who's there, who loves Christ, who loves the gospel. Pray for him. Pray for these things. Pray for out to us. Pray for West. Pray for this mission going forward. Pray that God raise up more laborers to that place and more people to send there. Now, we want to reach out. Let me say this quickly. When you think of something like North Korea, we want to put a target on unreached places. Yeah, everybody realize that, right? We're on board with that. Jesus said, make disciples of all the nations. Some are reached, some are unreached, meaning have access to the gospel, don't have access to the gospel. We want to get them access to the gospel. And this means we want to go into hard places like North Korea. Why hard places? Because the places that don't normally have access to the gospel are hard places. It's why they have no access to the gospel. And we want to do that, okay? We want to press in that. India, we'll be giving you guys more information on this in the future. But, but there's, there's, there's a, a brother there in India that we're even considering partner up, partnering up with, okay? His name, is, his name is Moses, and he wants to preach the gospel, make disciples, and plant churches throughout India and unreached people groups, many unreached people groups in India. And he wants to do that. And we're considering, should we partner up with this guy? Now, why this guy? Well, his name's Moses. Just kidding. His, my, I'm kidding on that. Like, they need to think of a new strategy. Okay. This guy, we'll talk to you more about it, but this guy, on some very crucial ways, he lines up with us on, on some sound doctrine issues and some, and some ministry that he wants to do, and God's using him. Be praying about it. Some of you know him. Some people here have had, without even my, you know, me and Dustin have had conversations with him, and there's other brothers here that have had conversations with him over Skype. And we may be going to visit him sometime in the near future, maybe at the end of January, and we may be, and he may be coming to visit us at some point so we can begin to link in and know this brother and see if this is something that we should step into. But imagine it, preaching the gospel, making disciples, planting churches throughout India. Nepal. Nepal's 300 or over 300 unreached people groups that are there, dominated by Hinduism, people dying every day, going to hell, never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in Nepal. We have some connections there and uh, we are considering, praying through how to make long-term efforts to plant churches in a place like that. Pray about these sort of things. We're doing, in Grace Community Church, we're doing uh, leadership training. We've got some of you know this, some of you might not know this. There's many people. Uh, it kind of was rooted in about eight months ago. A uh, sermon was preached about a church being full of cinders. People, everybody's zealous about getting out to the unreached nations. And you've got a church full of cinders who are zealous about sending those who are called by God to go. So you got cinders and goers. And there was a sermon that was preached about that. And we have people stand up that felt like God had called them. Not just 
you know, anything light, but I feel like God is calling me into this to be a goer. And we gathered up around and we prayed for him. Since then, we've started some things, okay? And most of you know this. We started leadership training around that. Well, we meet periodically, okay? Dustin and I are meeting periodically a group. I don't, I can't remember the number, 15 or 20 people, something like that. And we're meeting periodically with a mindset of training. We want to be a church that trains up and sends out and supports our own missionaries. We long for that. These unnamed brothers that planted the church at Antioch just, boom, flew out of the church of Jerusalem, product of the church of Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas sent out by their local church, the church at Antioch. We believe this, this is something we want to be all about. Let's pray to this uh, sort of end. There's, there's lots of stuff to pray. We've got a, 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 too many things. Peru team, the guys that are looking, guys and girls looking to go to Peru, plant church there. Tisberries looking to go to Bolivia in the very near future, looking to go to Bolivia, preach the gospel, make disciples, plant church there. A lot of things going on. Pray, 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 pray. Now let me conclude, let me conclude on something a little more personal, a little more, you know, for the individual, not just us, but the individual here. Okay, let me conclude here. I praise God for the way God has grown this church over the last couple of years. God's grown us. It's been sweet. And there's not just been brothers and sisters added to us as members of this church, but there's been brothers and sisters added to this church whom I love, whom you love. We've grown close. We've got our mistakes, lots of mistakes, but that's happened. So I'm thankful for the way God has grown this church, but I do want to put something before you, okay? I want you to think about something. Most of our growth over the last couple of years, has not been necessarily people converted as much as it has been people looking for a healthy church and locking arms with us. Now listen, I praise God for that. And I'm not, I'm not, I praise God for people looking for healthy churches and wanting to lock arms with us and laboring side by side. I praise God for that. I don't demean that one single bit. But listen to me, do you have a longing in you? Do you have a longing in you to see people converted, to people, see people saved? I know you're like me. I'm not interested in just reshuffling the church deck in central Mississippi. I'm not interested in that. I want to see lost souls saved, people converted, the Lord adding to the church daily those who are being saved. Will you pray to this end that God would do this among us? Don't settle in complacency. This is the way it's always been. So with that in mind, here's my prayer Here's my prayer. Just let me lay my prayer before you as a charge and as you join me in prayer. Here's my prayer. I want to pray that God would do a work in our hearts. He would give us a passion, a passion for lost souls and a passion for lost souls that leads us to pray, to call out like John Hyde, give me souls, oh God, or I die. That leads us to pray. Think of the power. Just to, I'll say it again. Think of the power of 100 members Grace Community Church pleading and pleading and pleading with God. Desperate prayers. Faith-filled prayers to add to our church daily those who are being saved. You think God can resist that? I'm praying that God would give us a passion for lost souls that causes us to weep. To weep. To cry. To weep in our prayers. Psalm 119, 136, the psalmist says, Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men did not keep your law. Paul said this in Romans 9, 2, I have great sorrow 
But Paul, you said rejoice without ceasing. Paul, you said just rejoice continually. What are you talking about, Paul? Paul says, I have great sorrow and continual grief. For I could wish that I myself were a curse for Christ for my brethren. I want them to be saved. And I'm full, I'm weeping over this thing. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, if sinners, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. I pray that God gives us a passion for lost souls that leads us to preach the gospel and to make disciples, preach the gospel, make disciples, and to do it with perseverance. A passion for lost souls that causes us to persevere in this gospel proclaiming and disciple making. People that are serious about lost souls and are passionate about lost souls, they do not sit in perpetual whining over their weaknesses and failures. We all know we have weaknesses and failures. We've all failed in this particular area of proclaiming the gospel. But let's quit just looking in and get busy with the work. A passion for lost souls that leads us to endure. Endure hardships. No matter what hardship comes up, the mission goes on. Nothing can thwart the mission of God. The, the endure awkwardness. How, how sad would it be if you look at the end of your life and see that your life was controlled by something as petty as awkwardness. So petty. A passion for lost souls. A passion for lost souls. This is my prayer that we would be that kind of people. I pray that God shares His heart with us. He, share, he shares His heart with us and gives us an unquenchable thirst for the growth of Grace Community Church outwardly. Outwardly. Let me finish with this hymn and I'll pray. Listen to the words of this hymn. We face a task unfinished that drives us to our knees. A need that undiminished rebukes our slothful ease. We who rejoice to know Thee, renew before Thy throne, the solemn pledge we owe Thee to go and make Thee known. Let's pray. Father, please do this. God, I pray that You would put a passion in our souls. Share, Please, God, share Your heart with us. Share Your heart with us, God, and put a passion in our souls for, lost, for the lost world. Make us a people desperate, God. Desperate, Lord, that You would add to our number daily those who are being saved. God, do it. You said, you said, Lord, you said that if we follow you, you'd make us fishers of men. God, you said, you said that you would help us, God. You see, we see these examples, God, of you helping these men and impressing them through hardships and whatever may arise and nothing can stop the mission. God, help us to come alongside. God, we want to be a part of it. Please use us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.